This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cami here. This week's episode is a fantastic chat with Cena Grace, who is the creator and writer behind Dark Veil, the drag queen formerly known as Shade in the Marvel Universe. So, such an awesome conversation. I loved talking to Cena about uh, creating comics and creating queerness in comics and uh, also realizing queerness has always been there. And if you want to do a little favor for your pal, Cammy, why don't you hop over to iTunes and leave us a great review on Query. I haven't asked for that in a while. I'm just uh, asking for what I need. Friends, leave some nice reviews. Please, thank you so much. Enjoy the episode. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still Hi. <laughs> Hello. Um, I always have folks introduce themselves. Will you introduce yourself? Yeah. Oh, God. I, and speaking of things we said before we started, uh, I also listened to Roxanne Gay's, and hers was so baller. She's like, I'm Roxanne Gay. Um, <laughs> I'm Cena Grace. I'm not Roxanne Gay. But <laughs> I write and draw comic books and, and do a lot of other various things in the world of writing and drawing. And uh, yeah, and I'm me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I, you gave me a pin. You gave me a little... A beautiful enamel pin, and and can you tell me about this? Because yeah. this is part of the reason we're talking to Yeah, me. yeah. So I made these pins of uh, the Marvel Comics has a mutant drag queen superhero. Uh, one of her aliases is Shade. That's how the world got to know her. But um, she took off and went super viral, and Marvel was like, okay, well, Shade's a very common name, a common word. Uh, let's make it her let's make her something that belongs in our world so we wrote an origin story and uh, her superhero name is dark veil um and yeah that's why i'm here i write the iceman comic book at marvel and you know he's an openly gay uh character in the x-men universe and one of the first five x-men characters um from the 60s so that was a landmark thing that i didn't do in and of itself uh and then dark veil shade was something that i did uh, just by existing and turned into this whole, like, I, you know, the, that's the funny thing. You never know when something's going to be a big deal. And it was a huge deal. So, yeah. yeah. Well, there's a couple. First of all, I will say I'm excited to have this conversation just because I know almost nothing about how comics are written, even though I actually know other people who write comics. And there are plenty of people that are like stand-ups that are in the stand-up world that then eventually like might have some sort of collaboration. Yeah. So like I should know more about this, but I just don't. So I'm curious as to like, I, I'm, I can't wait to ask you a bunch of questions about like how one even writes. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, but I also think, you know, especially when you're talking about X-Men, it's one of those things where, and comics in general are one of those, it's one of those areas where it's like anything in the world could be created and still often that's not queerness. It's like, right. it's like Star Trek or whatever, or Star Wars or anything where there's like a whole universe made from scratch, but they're mostly white or they look like 
squid, you know, like yeah. it's like, and you're like, but anything could have been created, you know? And they're right. like, well, there's like white people and then there's like blue people. And you're like, well, there could also be, have you ever thought that there might be like also like black people, yeah. you know, like that there, that that might be part of it. Um, and I think, you know, when I think about queerness, I'm so excited about, I was so excited to talk to you because it's like, especially in X-Men where yeah. like the whole thing can be an allegory for like the way that we're treated. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a, and I think sort of something uh, that you're saying that I've been playing with or thinking about is like the explicit versus the implicit. Mm. And especially with something like X-Men where it really is this like uh, safe, like it's the safest space in comic books for anyone and everyone to say, that is me. I've been othered. I've been marginalized. Um, you can, you know, like you can be, anything on the spectrum of identity, skin color, orientation. And the X-Men applies to you because of how the metaphor works, that it's something you're innately born with that you kind of, uh, that kind of emerges around puberty and it's a part of you and the world hates you for it, but it turns out it's your superpower. Um, and so for the first, the first time I did Iceman, cause it, it had gotten canceled and then, uh, it, it did really well in the book market, uh, as I had guessed, mm. as I had guessed, and it got written up in the New York Times, which I did not guess that would happen. That was really mm. cool. Um, so they brought it back. And and in the first time or the first series is very much a story about like one man's journey with self-acceptance and emphasis on man and one. Like it was very much like this white, pretty dude. And, you know, they, it, and I always say it's like they have a story, too, and that is a story. And everyone has to deal, you know, with uh, sort of cultural guilt. And his was an Irish Catholic guilt um, that he had to kind of get around and be like, hey, but I am here and I am queer and it's not an issue. Uh, so for the book coming back and, and me having this opportunity to kind of say, OK, I'm going to have some authority here and tell my editors what I think the value is. Uh, for some of its audience, you know, yes, we let's do fight scenes and yes, let's do um, this big action book about this chosen family called the X-Men. But also let me tell you what I, you know, I tour and I am hearing what people say is the value. So I think it's also about this and uh, something I was super trying to do, which is why shade sort of snuck up on us was I was really trying to use uh, this group of mutants, um, they're called Morlocks, and they live in the sewers. Um, and they are mutants who, uh, because of how their powers, ex you know, how they sort of have mutated. I'm losing the words. But uh, anyway, they show. They can't hide that they're mutants. So their skin is like purple or gray or they have tentacles or whatever. Um, and they have been very much this metaphor for like the trans and non-binary community. So... I was trying to go explicit with that, and um, that was a real journey, and um, that was something I'm still processing in terms of working with a corporation on what you can and can't do with representation or what they are and aren't comfortable with, with representation. Um, so I was having that battle over there, and at least I succeeded in maintaining uh, that it's in the metaphor, which breaks my heart. I wanted things to be a little more uh explicit back to that word but whatever the metaphor is there and they didn't uh mess with that and so in the meantime you know we're doing this mutant pride parade story and i just thought oh the mc would totally be a drag queen mm. let's have this drag queen over here oh like let's show her powers like it would be this and 
And what all are, that. What are her powers? So she can create these. Uh, she can kind of go in and out of these like void dimensions. Um, similar to a character named Cloak in the Cloak and Dagger series that you're seeing posters for everywhere. Uh, no, on Freeform or something. I don't know. Uh, also, I don't need to promote that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so she can kind of come in out of these pocket void dimensions. Um, and it was all because I just wanted to say the the pun throwing shade when she throws one of these voids out at a bad guy. And then she's like, and that's what I call throwing shade, honey. You know, because drag queens. You, so you, you like thought of that panel and you're like. Done. Now I will. I built a character. Reverse engineer. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, I, yeah, we've all been there where it's yeah. just like you. You are like, I am gonna work to say this dumb joke, and I will make it happen. Oh, girl, you better work. Um, <laughs> that that's well. First, I want to just start by talking about the explicit versus implicit thing, and I do think that it's really important to be. I was just having this conversation with somebody, I think yesterday, about how. You know, exhausting. And by the way, this isn't, you know, we're talking, this isn't Marvel. Like, this is when you are somebody who is in a marginalized community, um, you are constantly doing the work of creating the space that you exist in at the the job that you have, the place that you work. And I think, like, it is very important to push those, like, to kind of, like, I'm almost doing like a, in my mind, if I think about it visually, like pushing the walls, like the bubble out a little bit around you, like, so that it's not just like only around your skin. So you're creating a little more space than your own skin um, for you to exist, but that's exhausting long term. And also um, sometimes our wish might be that we could, you know, push it really far away from us. We can like really breathe for a while, but it's, You know, we live in the we live in the real world. Like we yeah. live in a world where we are marginalized. It's a self fulfilling prophecy. You well, know, and like, these, yeah, and so these companies are thinking about like they're thinking not just about um, coastal cities or cities that are rad. They're also thinking about uh, other countries, which like you know it does and doesn't matter. We should you know like, but it's that's that's a whole nother hurdle. Like even if you're sure. thinking about China, and they were talking about you know uh, queer erasure. In what movie was it? Oh, Bohemian Rhapsody, which yes. also has barely any representation in it. And they wanted to scrub that out for their version. Um, and it's not to sympathize for their perspective, but it, it you go back to being like, right, like I want to do this and I want to push this out. And and then you under, you can, I don't like the word understand in this situation, but you can you can see where they're coming from when they push back on you and you can see why it's not in their agenda to help you expand and help you create more beauty. Um, yeah. And I mean, but it's not, I don't want to can't see it. Like, even if, even if you're like, I like hate this. Yeah. There's also a limit to what we can do yeah. to what we can actually accomplish. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I think what you're talking about is like being able to mentally like to, to, to comprehend what's happening, yeah. but not necessarily to empathize with it. Yeah. And I think Thank that, you for saying that word, by the yeah. way. Comprehend, because I don't want to say the word understand. Yeah. Yeah. So you comprehend it. And, you know, I think that that's, I guess we don't talk so much. I mean, this podcast is like, so often my guests are these people who are um, like really moving, moving mountains. Um, even, you know, if, if it's, whether it's in the, 
political sphere or yeah. like it's these people who are really moving mountains. And I think it's important to talk about like that's exhausting. Yeah. It's sometimes impossible. You yeah. could have a problem with the place that you work. Oh, why are you behaving this way? You can call them out on it. That can affect no change. That can affect yeah. change and it can affect no change. Oh, so yeah. like having a I guess what I'm saying is this is a, a win, you yeah. know, it, it, and I understand you're like, ah, this is what I wanted. And this is the like compromise, may not be the right word, or this is what I got or yeah. whatever. But well, and I think so. Like, I definitely want to talk about the exhaustion because something I've never um, said publicly it, uh, or talked about is the exhaustion. Um, and, and it's all, uh, all of these thoughts in my head have kind of coalesced over the past week. And I just did a convention in Anaheim called WonderCon and a friend gave me some lovely advice, but um, it is a win and it's super cool. And I think you don't, I don't let myself have that victory because I'm kind <sighs> of like, well, it's, you know, like, is the character going to get used after I leave? I don't know. It, you know, did I do enough? And then more to the point, I think you individuals forget it's a win because, um, so many fans or consumers, they can't quite, they don't know how to voice their frustration or target frustration at a company. So they go to the individual and they go at the individual. And, um, I just said at this convention, I was working on a Power Rangers thing and on Twitter, people were like, oh, great. Like he's going to force his like SJW agenda on us. And I wanted to be like, sis, do you know how like licensed comic books work? Like I you know, like I, I will always tell the best story I can tell with the cast that is handed to me, but like, I'm not here to be like, and then this is what I'm going to do to move the needle. And then this company is going to say, go for it. It, you know, it's so much more complicated than that. And, it, and, but they go at the individual rather than the companies or organizations or institutions. Um, and it God, is exhausting. I also just have to say, I mean, again, when we're in this world, <laughs> When we're in like the world of sci-fi comics, like all sort of all the, those things that 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 touches, it is very funny. I I understand that maybe I don't like fully culturally get it, <laughs> but it is very funny to me that anybody who would love the Power Rangers would have like a problem with somebody representing I... identity in the power, like even. Their their idea of fun, <laughs> my listeners out there, their the Power Rangers idea of fun on a pastime was literally like let's do like a recycle fair, like let's like <laughs> let's go to this like save I the planet know. thing, like they or they're like oh let's go be UN ambassadors or whatever Peace Corps ambassador, like but oh. they're all about peace and the environment and teamwork. A and number one, absolutely. <laughs> number two, like the original um, show in the U.S. also for its time had like. Uh, some people of color in it yeah. as like as, as Power Rangers, like, and they had so much agency, each and every one of them, <laughs> yes. and it was always about teamwork and right. Yeah, it just so that never mind that. But, so it's uh, very <laughs> funny. It's just very funny as like a how dare you make this thing that was kind of always yeah. in this space. Same with X Men to me. Yeah, I'm like, exactly. are you kidding me? Like. Right. It was always a metaphor for this thing. Yes. And yeah, maybe this, like you were saying, it's like the skin's not blue anymore. The skin is now like shades of brown. Right. And like, why do you care? Like, I mean, which X-Men movie is it? Um, I know I'm departing from the comics, but which X-Men <laughs> movie is it where the whole plot is about the cure? Um, and I know that's like it, through the comics so oh. much, but there's like, uh, I think it's three or something where 
it's there's a oh, there's an right, entire <laughs> yeah well, there's an entire movie that's that's like a, specifically about the cure that was happening at culturally like when that was released that was yeah. a much bigger part of the narrative around homosexuality in the yeah. U.S. than like maybe it is now like now we're like at the point where we're making laws against conversion therapy but at that time in like the whatever that. 98 i'm like just yeah, imagining late time. 90s very early aughts or something yeah like yeah. that was i kind of lined up so i yeah. don't know i just mean i know that's not the comics but it's still like it's no it's you're all, not it's the there. person creating this right <laughs> yeah it's so it's it's very interesting to but be you also are the person creating this yeah which is cool it's both things are true yeah and, it, and i think something you know that's been discussed on this program um a few times is that you know like yeah you do take on all this weight and you do your best and it's no one should ever be speaking for an entire community, but to that same point, like, and this is the part of being exhausted was I hit this, like, uh, I, I reached this like point at San Diego comic-con, uh, last July where I was like, Whoa, there aren't, there aren't a lot of, and I know the podcast is introduced with like language will be used. And so to anyone who is, uh, upset by me using this. I'm sorry, you know, but I'm, I'm using it only to refer to myself, but like, you know, I'm pretty faggy, uh, when I want it, like I'm, I, I can get real faggy sometimes. And that was a, a very exhausting thing to think about of like, okay, I got this far. I'm writing this X-Men comic. Uh, this is the top of the top in my industry to write for Marvel comics. And I did it without compromising much. Like I, I made a zine called the nine weirdest dicks I sucked and still got hired by Disney. Um, <laughs> and so I just, yes. but I had this pressure of like, I don't want to, I don't want to be a diversity hire and I don't want people to think I'm a diversity hire. And I want people to see that you can be successful and you can still be yourself. And so every outfit I wore was this constant um, tug of war of like, I want to be loud and proud, but I also want to, uh, I want to make sure everyone still wants to pay. Like, what's the word? Like, I don't want to make someone so uncomfortable that they turn away. And in comics, that is a thing that is more a thing than in other industries as people can get really put off by, uh, you know, the, uh, gender queer presentation with fashion. Um, but, you know, like I had my nails painted red. Uh, I wore like a pink on pink outfit with this like pink crop top denim jacket that had fringe. And, you know, I wore this white leather. And and But every day there was this, you know, and but then on top of that, I'd be going out to drinks with like the, you know, editor in chief of the company or these people who are very uh, influential, uh, famous straight white dudes in comics. And I just, yeah, Sunday night that weekend, I just like, you know, someone was like, how was I was like, oh, it was hard. It was hard. And then it just came out of nowhere. I just started crying. I was like, it's really hard. It's really hard. I just want to win. And I don't know how to win. And I think I'm the only person who can like pull this off. Cause like, I don't know, like there are only so many out, uh, gay, uh, male identifying writers in comics. There are a lot of gay illustrators, gay male illustrators, and they, their uh, sexual identity doesn't have to do much with their work because it's like it, you can be undeniable as a visual artist and someone can say you're that is an amazing drawing. But as a writer, people are far more able to pick you apart and far more able to associate your qualifiers with your like if your work 
is any good or why you got the work. Um, so I'm like, whoa, there are literally only a handful of, of, of men who are doing what I'm doing, who are getting the jobs I'm getting. And I want to make sure these people with hiring power don't associate. But then at the same, so that's the thing. It's this tug of war of like, I don't want you to say, I don't want to hire this guy because he's a messy faggot. But then also I need to present myself as a messy faggot. So the fans know you can be whoever the fuck you want to be mm-hmm. and you are allowed to get the work you want to get. Um, and it was just constantly, yeah, it was just in the back of my head. And I, and I really, really, uh, yeah, I really tired myself out trying to figure out how to do all of that. And because I do feel like I have a lot of experience. I've been doing comics since I was like 14. I worked uh, under the guy who created The Walking Dead for a few years. And, you know, and then I, I moonlit as like a, a copywriter for PR firms. So I feel very media trained. So I feel like I'm more equipped than other people to be like, okay, I'm on a platform and I know how to utilize the platform to win people over and, and, and get people on the side of, you know, love and progress and change and acceptance. And yeah, it's a lot to put on yourself and then, but whatever, you know, that's kind of what you have to do. I want to break down a little bit what you just (laughs) said, because I think there's a couple different things to talk about there. First of all, when you're saying outfits, you mean you're going to sit like when, if you, when you are invited to Comic-Con, how are people, um, like viewing you are you at a table like on the floor are you at on a panel thank you for yeah thank you for like reminding me i'm not talking to like people who know exactly how uh (laughs) comics work um so yeah when you get invited to a comic convention and you're of a certain you know you're beyond just like tabling yourself you're writing a big book for a big company yeah so you get you know they you have to do discussion panels where you're in front of a room of either 100 or 500 people Um, and they like intro you and you walk out yeah you walk on the stage so i've been i've been i've been to comic-con and like done a panel thing there so yeah i I know the thing that you're talking about and then you sign at a table or then you do on-camera interviews you know behind closed doors for like sci-fi or viz or any of these other companies so are people do they have photographers there if you're doing an interview they do or they have camera people yeah i'm not i'm not so cool that i get to be in those entertainment weekly shoots that is my like life goal is to be in that room is like yes like because i love those portraits and i really want to be in that that's my career goal is like i know i've made some version of it when I get to be in the Entertainment Weekly Comic Con photo shoot, but uh, um, yeah, so you do signings and you do discussion panels, and then you book press, and sometimes it's on camera and sometimes it's not. So with the discussion panels, again, yeah, you're like I'm next to my peers and I'm next to these editors with hiring power, and then I'm in front of a room of, you know, uh, fans who don't necessarily know me or give a crud about me, and and so you want to get them to buy the book, but you also want to get them to say, oh, I, I like what that guy has to say, and I want to follow him. Um, it's interesting as a writer, it's like before you get to a certain level of success, you're sort of unseen. Like yeah. that's like a, an interesting, you know, other people I know who are writers, and then suddenly they have a book that does well. You're like, you know, you're going on a book tour or yeah. whatever, but you might be somebody who prior to that, like wasn't the words are representing you as opposed to you representing the words is that yeah. how is that for you are you like comfy like feel like feel good like i'm cool with people looking at me versus yeah. my work how yeah. is that for you i'm well i'm super okay with it um i 
I've always been into, I've always been into the, like the aesthetics of self. Um, I went to UC Santa Cruz. So I have like a lot of like liberal arts thoughts in my head. Um, but just, I do, you know, I've all like, and I, I really like, I really enjoyed emphasis on the word, like enjoy. Uh, I enjoyed social media, like right when it started happening. And I always understood how dangerous and permanent it was too. Mm. Um, so I feel like I, I've always understood like, okay, you've kind of got to present a version of yourself. And then the thing I kept myself honest about was don't split though. Don't make who you are when people see you on the internet too different from the real you, because then you're going to hate life and you're going to feel like an actor. And I don't, I'm not an actor, like, and I don't want to compartmentalize. I think that like is really hard on the soul, um, which is why I have the word dope tattooed on my hand. <sighs> I like purposely set myself up to fail. I was just like, don't like, don't, don't take life too seriously. You can never work in politics with that word on your hand. Um, <laughs> you like, I just never wanted to be put in a position where I stifled myself um, or where I quieted myself because I think for you, for me, for many people listening to this, we're constantly in that situation of, do you tone down? And and I heard this on previous episodes too. Like actually like Evan Rachel Wood got me, like hit me hard when she was talking about a lot of that stuff. Cause I was like, fuck, yeah. like if Evan Rachel Wood feels that, like it just, it's, it goes everywhere. But, um, but yeah, so I think about, you know, and I just wanted to make sure don't do that. Don't, don't be that. Don't, don't walk a certain way. Don't present a certain way and accept the consequences of if you make people uncomfortable because I just don't, I don't know. I've been sick. Like I, I had a sickness a few years ago in my esophagus that like got me real close to the finish line from just, I could see it and I didn't like that. And, but once you go through that, you just kind of stop caring. And and that's kind of why that whole Iceman process was super intense for me was like, it was the first time like I, more than myself was on the line. I really mm. felt a responsibility to like other people or my group of people or my people or whatever. And, um, and it had been the first time in years that I had sort of not been able to just kind of play it cool or shrug it mm. off or be like, I got this boo. Cause I, I didn't have it. I didn't, I don't know how to do it. You, no one knows how to kind of handle that situation except for like Ellen and Margaret Cho, you know, like you don't know how to like straddle that line. And, and, uh, but you know, I did my best and I think I did okay. And yeah. And back to the shade dark veil thing. I think that was really cool. Cause then it, it did do the thing I wanted to do, which was expand the pool of identities in this fictional universe that is explicit, you know, like no matter how you cut it, uh, that is, you know, the, the shade dark veil character is an out queer person of color putting on makeup and a wig and high heels and also fighting crime. So that yeah, happened. So I want to, <laughs> well, I have, I have so many, I have so many follow-up questions. Hang on. Let me see if I can. I'm going to sip this delicious cold brew that you yeah. just magically oh, offer it, at the front. Yes. Oh my gosh. You can get cold brew here. It is um, extremely strong, yes. but I'm very happy for you that you're having it. I just, um, I only got like a quarter cup. Yeah. 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 No, I, I have, I have, uh, I have done the mistake of like, this is, we're recording this in the morning, but I've done the mistake of like, it's like 
four or five, mm-hmm. and I'm feeling like I could use a little bad move. Yeah, it was a <laughs> it was a real whoopsie daisy. Um, well, also, I mean, on this specific character, it's it's also, I mean, drag is has the. This makes so much sense to me, and I I kind of can't believe that this wasn't like a. Um, I mean, I know there's like there's that there's now like something called super drags or whatever right that's on Netflix. like it's on Netflix, but I just mean in the actual comics world, like that isn't like a joke cartoony thing, but like uh, in the yeah. actual comic book world, it it um it makes so much sense because because like the it's the they're doing the same thing like yeah. a person who's getting ready to go fight crime yeah. or whatever is doing the same thing as the person who's like getting ready to there you have to do i mean i would assume either uh i think you have to do something very specific with your penis either way <laughs> because i have seen some of the pants as drawn well that's um, what's funny is like yeah honestly cuz that's because, you know, people will be like, really, like a superhero is going to take three hours to get ready to be a superhero. And I and how, per- how long do you think this other shit takes? Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, if you look at like Cable or any of these X-Men characters and the things they wear, I'm like, it takes a long time for any of them to act like to act. If we're really going to go there yes. and talk about suiting up, like, let's talk about suiting just up. the eye makeup that they're doing behind the mask. Like it was only it was a couple of years ago that I realized that, like, before Batman goes out mm-hmm. to, like, fight crime, Batman puts on, like, heavy yeah. eye makeup mm-hmm. so that you can only see the act. Like, so you can't see any eyebrow. Like, we never talk about that. We never yeah. talk about that, like. Yeah, and then he puts are, on a suit and then he puts the underwear over the yeah, suit. Yeah, there's a belt. Like, it's so much work. And then it's in the Christian so Bale version, he has like the voice modifier. So he's always uh, got to do a sound check before he oh leaves. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. for him. <laughs> do I sound like I'm chewing on nails? Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> and then you have to make the outfits, which is also like drag. Like, right. do you learn that? Do you have a seamstress that you go to all the time? Like, you know, it's and a it, whole thing. Yeah, so I'm kind of just like, you're going to clock me on this? Like, <laughs> no, I re- like, and that's the fun thing is like, I can just now be like, I refuse to absorb this criticism. <laughs> like, like I don't, I also, don't. Like, you know, they're wearing like a wig cap underneath like the Batman hood. Like oh, that. Right. You can't put that right on your head. Oh, wait, I never even don't thought you think about that. Like very sweaty latex does, right on the head. How does Bruce Wayne not have like patchy hair? He's got like, a wig cap on. Yeah. So no, anyway, or he's just not wearing any hair ever and the Bruce Wayne hair is a wig is a wig oh (laughs) these are definitely the options mind blown (laughs) I also want to ask you because um so I'm I I don't use the f word because it's like not a word that applies to me right doesn't um offend me to hear it out of your out of your mouth I just don't use words that don't apply to me yeah that's my like hard line um but I want to ask you like when you say that what do you mean I'm just curious because like we talk about that like I certainly say like sometimes like I'm like I'm dikey or like I'm feeling dikey, but so often there's not like a follow up question. Right. So I would love to know anything and, you want to tell me about what that feels like for you. And I have a question for you too. And yeah. answer for an entire group of people, please. You got it. Um no, but just like real fast. The word butch, how, yeah. that's cool or is that not cool? Like I don't know. Well, first of all, I mean it's one of those words I think that your tone matters. Okay. Um, I'm not, I, I think I am butch. Um, but this is something that I didn't used to think I was. It's like an interesting thing that evolved over time for me. Like I didn't, when I had just like longer hair, nobody sort of placed me as masculine of center. 
I don't know why that is. I wore the same clothes, whatever. You still always wear cool leather jackets. Our understanding of gender is very strange. Like, right. I just had long hair, so people were like, and even long-haired butch is a thing. Huh, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, like you could even, you could even, <laughs> LHB, it's like a thing. Yeah, I feel like if any, like, if any lady, like, did her hair, like, Jason Momoa, and, like, wore the, like, raccoon makeup, like. That's, that's absolutely. You have identified a long-haired butch. I think actually Jason Momoa is a long-haired butch, like truly, because I'm very attracted to him. Yeah. And I think, I think that's actually what's going on. Um, oh, cool. We like, okay, Yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Anyway, but um, thank you for answering that question. Yeah, and I, but I, I don't think of it, but I think it's also, it's not really a slur, like the way that like Dyke is a slur. Okay. But I do think that it feels... It's maybe used... The same way that like femme is used for like gay men. There's a glibness. There can be a glibness to it. There can be. Sometimes it's from somebody in community being like, oh, like no femmes or whatever, which is like gross. But I think also sometimes it's somebody out of community just being uncomfortable that they've had to think about something. Okay. Like. Period. That they've okay. had to think about something. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I, I was like, <laughs> Period. Yeah. <laughs> that delivery was mm. great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. But no. So back to the the F word. Um, and thank you for answering that. Because I, yeah, I was thinking about that and I didn't know where to go with it. But. Um, oh, wait. Can I ask you a follow up question on that? Is um, it because you have like seen me use that word or someone else use that word? Or were you just like always, you always were wondering is Butch and you just like never had the right person to ask? I think because it's more so something like I'm not, I feel very much a hundred percent gay, but there are some, there are, it's a spectrum. There are always exceptions. Mm -hmm. And, um, I have this one friend who like, I like, I see her and I get nervous. I'm like, hi, how are you doing? Oh my God. Yeah. Um, and you know, and and like it's, and I think it's partially because like she has a motorcycle, and she's got these like nice like she's got like this like Rosie the Riveter look, but she's also got this like computer nerd look, but she's also like, you know, a little bit like Betty Cooper and like can like fuck around with like an engine, and I'm just like all of it, you know what I mean? But I would describe that as butch, and I don't want to, I don't want to ever, I'd rather just spend ten minutes talking about every detail that's making <laughs> me fall for her than do the catch all, but. No, at the, I, I. But at the end of the day, some people don't have ten minutes to hear me talk about this this woman who's my like only exception to like sexuality. Where I'm just like, <gasps> I love that. I love. I'm so glad I asked you so that I could hear that. I think that's a real thing, and I also think, I also think you know, like like butchness is a, is an identity that um, has overlap because we also don't talk about this very much. Like in the queer community, there since it's a spectrum, like. And now we're all hopefully understanding, mm-hmm. like, that the binary isn't the thing that defines us. Yeah. I think that we 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 have not very often lined up those spectrums. It's like there's, like, a spectrum for, for people that identify as men. There's a spectrum for people that identify as women. But yeah. what's really awesome about queerness is if we wanted to, we could slide those spectrums next to each other. Yeah. And we could— identify across so like you being interested in like a dude that looks like a tom of finland drawing and right. this woman right makes perfect sense which i've never because, been into dudes who look like tom of finland okay <laughs> i'm more into like al borland from home improvement 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, ew, Tom, I'm feeling yeah. gross. What are you doing with all that baby oil? Like, oh, you want so you want it like matte? You want like a, vor- a more matte version, a less shiny version? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm all about that matte black coat. I went to um, a leather contest over the weekend, and I had this experience of like I just didn't realize there would be um, women there, like people that I that I that were like that had like dyke written on their jacket or whatever so it was like a lot of like leather daddies and yeah. then it was like also leather daddies like it wasn't like because there were some like femi women there too women were the, massively in the minority and then there were like also some a few trans folks and mm. non-binary folks but then there were like leather daddies who were women it just oh. made it made me so happy oh yeah and i and i you gotta come with me to the eagle on um lesbian i don't know it's i don't remember what the night is oh called, but. I, my friend's Let's go. Yeah, no, my I friends mean it. like run that night. Yes, I, I'm I, not kidding either. Yes. Wait, so I yeah, I gotta I gotta explain the f word, but yes, real you fast, have to. we gotta go to this. Every Angelina should go to this, although maybe not because like let's let the space be theirs for the night. Um, but I went to the Eagle one night. Like I was like, oh, I haven't been. Like let me yes. just go. And the I Eagle went, is a leather bar. Yes. Yes. So Predominantly giving, gay giving, male leather bar. Yes, yes. Giving some context for and um and I walked in and I was like, why? are there so many women here? Yes. And then I ran into a friend who like, I hadn't seen in person in a long time. And they were like, Hey, by the way, I don't go by that name. You used to call me by anymore. Now I go by this and I'm non-binary and there's my sir. And I'm like, so much information. Give me a hug. Hi, I accept, but what's going on, (laughs) you know, but it was, it was a really, really rad night because I think so much in the lesbian and lady and NB community, like they don't have that space to kind of be, outwardly like leather kinky right um so it was really really cool to to be a part of that and to also let a lot of friends know because i think either they write it off or they don't want to go out on a school night and i'm like no just get your ass out for like 90 minutes i believe it that i believe that what you're re- referring to is called cruise and if that is what it's called <laughs> like that's so, what yeah. the night is called um then it is it's actually partially organized by my friend Pony, who oh. has also been oh. a guest on this show. Okay, yeah, let's go. Um, but yeah, I would okay. love to go. I'm cool. like, yes, done. Yeah. Okay, achieved. Yeah, Goal. I'll just, I'll tuck in a corner because I know it's not my night, you know, but like, I want to be there I, because it's a beautiful energy. Yeah, and I want to um, stand with you and see yeah. like what you show up in since you've described your like pink crop top oh, yeah. that has fringe. Like, oh, yeah. what are you going to show up in? I can't oh, wait yeah. to see. Don't even tell me. I won't, I won't. Yeah. I, have to, I have to think about that because I will want to get kind, like I should, okay, yeah. No okay. words. All right. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! All right, but back to the F word, back to faggy and all that stuff. Um, I have been um, super into the idea of like, instead of walking away from 
being turbo gay, being turbo gay, because um, it took like, sorry, the hiccups. Um, it took living in West Hollywood and then leaving West Hollywood for me to see what, to know what the value of that was and to know what, what it meant to be in a neighborhood of, you know, quote unquote, like all my people. Um, and yeah. And I think, you know, when you're coming up, you're always trying to code switch or temper this, that, or the other. And I, and I've recently, I'm trying to be in this more accepting state of like, and to also communicate this to other people, like just take people for where they're at. Like you can't constantly challenge people and more to the point, like I want to be where I'm at. And like today, if I want to be like, if I want to be this and I want to look like this and I want to dress like this, like that's okay. As long as I'm not like, you know, hurting someone's feelings. Um, sure. You know, like what's the issue? Like, so what are the, what are the things? So for me, oh yeah. So like, yeah, what to, are you going to wear? Or well, like, what, yeah. are, what, what makes you feel that way? So I think, I think it sounds like it's like a good thing for you. Yeah. I which think, like, I like your, I like love to wear my leather jacket. Like what makes you feel that yeah. way? So I think like wearing, I think wearing like in a, like crop tops, I think are very, um, yes. And like, I think like a lot of pink on pink on pink, um, is also definitely like, unless you're someone super cool, like, like rappers can wear millennial pink and not have their gender identity or sexuality questioned. But like, if I do, then I get the F word dropped on me. Um, so that's why it's like, well, yeah, I am. And, uh, jewelry, lots of jewelry. I like lots of necklaces. This one is one my mom gave me. It's just a little gold necklace with a, a lion on it. It's from Iran. And I feel like it has, uh, that energy. Um, Heels. I love wearing heels, um, but only when I want to, because like they do suck. Like they do hurt after a few hours. Mm. Um, <laughs> I honestly wouldn't know. <laughs> You've never, ever worn even like a boot with a heel? Um, No, like when I was in high school. Okay. Okay. I have worn, but it's, it's been a minute. Fair. It's I, been a minute. I love heels even on like, yeah, I have these, uh, I got these boots at, clo- uh, at opening ceremony that are like combat boots with like a little two inch heel. Like, oh, yeah. I like a good heel on me. I've been thinking about trying to figure out cowboy boots because I really mm. like the way that they look. And I've been trying to figure out like how to wear them so that they like serve yeah. my gen, like what I'm doing. Cause I think I, I think they're like in the spectrum, but that little heel, it's like mentally I haven't. You don't like I've, it. I've worn it. I've worn cowboy boots before, like with a suit or something. Yeah. Um, it's not that I don't like it. It just feels like, you know, it's funny what little things can crop up and you're like, ooh, how do I deal with this thing now? Right. You know, just you, small things. And you wouldn't do like, oh, hi. Yes, my bubba's. Sorry. Um, Murph is here. My <laughs> tiny dog Murph is here today. And he did one yelp slash he's also been shaking. If you have heard that. I just mean. I've heard him a couple times if you are listening and you're like, what is that distant sound of a dog shaking its butt? Hey. It's a sweet dog that wants a little bit of attention. Oh, gosh. Sorry. Uh, back to <laughs> back yeah. to queer stuff. Um, lost my train of thought. It doesn't matter. Well, oh, yeah. Oh, shoes. I was going to be like, like, and you wouldn't do like an All Saints, like leather booty, like something like that. Is that too on the nose? No, I mean, okay. I, I have done... I've worn like, like I've worn boots that look like, like with almost like lifts in them. Like what Prince would wear. Gotcha. I have worn that too, okay, cool. which is very funny because that. like, then I'm like, but they were men's. It's like, you know, very funny to imagine what makes me feel comfortable. It's like, wh- 
uh, what Prince would wear. He's actually right. like very feminine, but like Super. you know what I mean. But like that makes me feel okay. But then what somebody else who's also feminine would wear wouldn't. It's right. it's all very complicated and fun Fair. to continue to yeah. explore. <laughs> Wait, I want to ask you another question For because sure. you said um, that your necklace is from Iran. Is yeah. that are is your family Iranian? My mom is, and my dad's just white mutt. Sure, like. Irish American like it's funny when you go on when I go on dates with like guys who really care about that shit and then they get like really mad about like that I just call him a white mutt and I'm like I, like it doesn't matter and they're like well like what is it what is it and I'm like you really give it like it's a bunch of Irish some like American here and then like one sixteenth like Cherokee like are you happy now like I don't <laughs> like I don't relate to it so like this is just for you and your, however your mind is processing this information. Like anyway, but uh, yeah. Well, uh, is your mom, what has, is, is she from Iran? Yeah. Like, yeah. So she moved here uh, before the revolution, uh, raised me and my sister entirely by herself. I love my mom. Hey mom, you're not listening to this cause you don't listen to podcasts, but she reads audio. She listens to audiobooks. Um, Anyway, but uh, yeah, she was a great mom. And uh, so I identify with that so much. And I think I also, uh, read ethnic, like I was on ethnically ambiguous. Um, and so we were talking about that where like, even if, even if you, you can't tell I'm Persian, you know, I'm something that isn't just like from Kansas. Um. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also, well, it's funny cause you mentioned, I also think that when, when you are somebody who reads like, then that, that cultural identity is going to be really important to you because people are constantly like absorbing that about you. But then also if you have a parent that more recently um, was part of a different culture, like that also is like when you're, I think when you're uh, somebody who's just like miscellaneous white Mm -hmm. and from the U S your culture can feel like I'm like very Italian, you know, like that can feel very important, but it's fun, but it's just because I don't have another thing that happened more recently (laughs) (laughs) or like another way people clock me. Like I'm like, you know, fifth or fourth or fifth generation. Like I'm just American, but I just mean it's, if you don't have like a bigger thing that people either read you as, or that you have like more recent contact with, then I think that's why some white folks are just like, I am like, it's very, I mean, it does whatever my family eats pasta. I mean, I guess like, like it's like important in that way, but it's not. Um, and you know, it's important to like, sometimes if, if you're thinking about like ways your parents fight or something and you're yeah. like, ah, that's like a cultural thing. Yeah. But it's different if you're like being read a certain way or yeah. if your parents so, are and, and immigrants, that's like a very different thing. Yeah. And it's definitely been a part of, I think the expectation of me too, when people are encountering more of my mainstream or like, yeah, stuff on mainstream platforms is there. They, they want me to speak to that notion of intersectionality and, Mm. and I'm, and I'm like, I will, but I'm not, I don't, you know, it's like, I have other things on my mind that are still part of these conversations that isn't quite landing on that. And I know that that's very important for some people is the cross section or the divergence or the connection between, you know, all these things. And, it's all on my mind. I don't know. That's the, that's the stressful thing is like, you want to like, like you said, you want to like expand that bubble and you want to like, you know, reflect upon this entire groups, uh, you know, all these conversations that are happening. And then you only have room for like what can fit in 130 pages uh, (laughs) with a superhero that has to spend so many pages fighting bad guys. Like just like actually having physical. Yeah. There has to be some punching. Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like flying. 
punching, flying, shifting between dimensions. Exactly. These are the things that have to happen. Yeah, and 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 more to the point too, like they should happen because it's a comic book yeah. and it should be visually arresting. And that's what I always tell people who are like looking to get into comics. I'm like, remind yourself, like this is a visual medium. Like make visually interesting things. It's not selling out to like, that's the point of this. That's the difference between this and say like a serialized podcast is like the visual splendor of it all. The fact that we are tapping into this part of our brains that is a kid again and is looking at, you know, uh, like either cool, uh, race scenes or fight scenes, uh, racing vehicle scenes, not race relation scenes. Wait, I want to ask this before I forget. Mm -hmm. Um, this is kind of what I was talking about earlier. I don't, I don't really know, like, in the process of mm-hmm. writing, when are you interacting with an artist? Like, when does yeah. that happen in the... Um, so, yeah. So, like, to quickly break down kind of, like, how to make a comic if you're not making it all by yourself. Because I've learned to make beginning, middle, end of comic all on my own in a vacuum. And that's partially why I feel... Com- like, why I have this, like, I don't give a fuck attitude is... No one can ever take that away from me. Like, if I need to make something and speak... I know how to do it. I don't need a publisher. And I have like enough of a following that I can like break even no matter what, no matter what I have to say, I can always break even and not lose my shirt. So there's that. But for someone who doesn't have uh, all those capabilities, uh, you know, you, an editor says, Hey, what would you do? Like with the example of I'm writing a Jughead comic over at Archie. And so he was like, Hey, uh, what do you think about this thing? Jughead, we did a time police uh, narrative years ago. What do you think of that? And I was like, Hey, it's cool. Reread it on, uh, reread it in book form. I don't know why I was going to say on Kindle. Cause I don't have one. Um, that's what happens when you're nervous anyway. But, um, <laughs> uh, and so I reread it and then I sent like a one page document being like, this is what I would do in broad strokes. And this is how it would break down over five single issues. They say, cool. We like that. Now do a more detailed outline. So then you go page by page and you say, okay, on page one, he does this on page two, he does that. Um, And then at that point, they start to hire an artist and look at artists. And then I go into writing the script. Script goes through editorial. Um, I do a revision or two. And then at that point, the artist comes in um, and they start doing sketches to show you how they would draw the characters. Um, And then this guy, Derek Charm, he will lay out the entire book in chunks and so he'll show you broad, like, like it'll look like storyboards mm-hmm. where it'll be really rough and things won't always fit in the lines and there'll be like, you know, lines indicating directions or movement. Um, and then at that point, editorial and, and myself will all go through and say, okay, this is what I'd change or not change. And then he goes in and he uh, inks it. Uh, he draws digitally, but that just basically means these are the final lines that'll be sent to someone who does the color art. And then they hand it to someone who does um, the word balloons lettering. And then at that point, I look at the whole package and I say, oh, like, oh, like that. Well, I'm being really repetitive with that word. Let's cut that in that thing. And uh, and then at that point, they send it to the printer. so yeah, that's I am thank you for first of all, thank you for telling me this process. I told you how to make a comic in 85 seconds. I like <laughs> that was amazing. Um on Shade Darkvale. Mm-hmm. Um so the artist there, is that I designed the character. You designed the character. Yeah, just because it was one of those... Thank you. That was like what I was going to say. Is it like no, and you're I do- hiring within the community? Like, how do you make sure that the representation is right? You do it yourself. <laughs> well, yeah. And that's, I mean, yeah. That's kind of the, yeah. Because I was just, and that was the thing too, was I, even like, 
to tell a story that happened after the conception of the character, I put this thing on Instagram stories being like, oh, should I make this print of Dark Veil? Like, would you buy it? Yes, no. Poll, like fan interaction. Anyway, um, and it was like a picture. It, it made, uh, it referenced this like Marvel anniversary cover template where it was like every, like the big main Marvel superheroes framing the image and then the character's face in the foreground. Um, and a friend I work with who has colored me in the past was like, oh, if you do it, I'll color the shit out of it. And I had to write him and be like, look, like I would say yes, but like, it takes me an hour to render the makeup. And we have had conversations about how you don't really do contouring and you don't do these types of shadows and, and highlights. So, and he was like, he was like, well, how about we collaborate and you can color her face and I'll do all these heroes and I just won't put it on my CV. And I was like, great. So that was why I was kind of like, I have to be really hands-on Marvel. Like, because how do I explain to this artist, why these proportions matter. Like you have to give her comically large yeah, breasts. She sure. needs this padding. So I went in and, and, uh, I, and also I, you know, it just would have taken forever to go back and forth. And, and I did want that. I did from not an ego standpoint, but a little bit of an ego standpoint to be like, I designed this, like I can stand by it. And, I, you know, I wanted to take like a modicum of credit. I think um, that's, by the way, that doesn't sound like ego. That's how, I mean, just, but you know, when you're working with an artist, I want to be collaborative and I yeah. want them to take ownership of the work too. And, uh, and he did some, you know, he kind of came up with some really great embellishments that I didn't. And so it was, it was a collaboration, but yeah, I sent a sketch over and then I sent, um, and I even did a, like, I, I did a sketch of like the makeup and how it should, how the sort of the contouring and highlights should, by the way, for anyone listening, I'm like, like gesturing on my face, all the different areas of how the makeup was going to look and sort of even the eyelashes, like how long and big they should be for the top and the bottom. And, and how do you know that? How do I know yes. how those things look? Well, cause I'm, I, I'm a fan of, of drag and, and I, I love drag. Um, and so it was sort of something on my mind a lot too. And, and I think I'm really impressed by these Queens and what they're doing. And you watch their tutorials and you hear them talk about how like, Oh, only beginner Queens wear like a single wig on the head. I was like, what? You need to stitch multiple so you, wigs. You were already watching tutorials like prior to this, like yeah. that was already a part of your life and you really yeah. knew it from like lived yeah. experience. Yeah. And that's the thing I was even, I, I even said, I wrote this, um, think piece kind of when we unveiled the name dark veil and explained the origins for the character's conception. And I said, um, you know, this was a part, this was my normal and I had no clue it was going to be a big deal because to me, like either after going to like anything of any sort, but like if you go to a parade or an event or a themed evening, the night usually ends with like going to a bar and watching drag Queens do death drops for tips, (laughs) you know, like, that's just that was my world and like that was my normal and yeah the night always ends somehow with watching a man in gigantic heels you know performing drag um i think that's i just i ask all those questions because when we are when we're talking about like specifically something specifically drag not even yeah. something like that like drag specifically drag which is having having this real moment in moving like more towards I mean, is it almost even straight up mainstream at this point? I was going to say more towards mainstream, but like, is it just straight up mainstream? I've argued Um, yes. Yeah. So like that, 
now a lot of people have access to this idea. There are a lot of people who maybe could have approached, not that they would have come up with their idea, but they maybe could have approached this from like, well, this is in culture, so right. now I'll tackle this or whatever. And I think that sometimes it can then create a situation where it's like we're being written out of our own history or out of our own ability to – like it's important to me that yeah. you created this character. You know what I mean? And that yeah. it wasn't like uh, the Marvel – um, right, like, like through the machine, or I was just yeah. gonna say, like the pop machine or whatever. Like yeah. that, it's just like what what's cool now, like boop, you know. Yeah, pop, you know, and like, I think that's what made it take off was that it was sort of just matter of fact and just there. And then the thing that was also really cool, um, and this was so intentional, and I'm really like, it's like if you know you can be proud of like little things you've done in your work or even like the way you've crafted something, and there. Um, there's this whole fight scene and it's funny because I forgot why I would like, you know, like this process of writing this book was like over the course of like six to eight months. And you forget why you were so tethered to an idea when you're like at the tail end of it. And I, and I just like, I was like, why am I, I, I like I had forgotten. I was like, why is there this whole B story where these characters are defending the mutant pride parade? And I was like, why was I working so hard to get, Emma Frost's brother Christian into this fight scene and and Shade she was called Shade at the time Shade in there and and then I was like oh right sis like you did all that because it's a it's it's a statement it was two things but it was a statement about how um the have-nots are typically the ones on the front lines protecting the ones with the haves and so there was this whole joke at the end of the scene where like these mutants are the Morlocks come and help these like fringe mutants uh, stave off a bunch of uh, just let's call them terror criminals, you know, who are going to basically commit a massacre at this pride event and they stop it, you know, and then the pride event lets out and all these people are like, Oh my God, look at this dystopic installation. Like they didn't even know, like they had no clue what was happening because they were partying. And so that was like one statement. But then I was like, Oh, but I picked all these characters because like, I wanted this to, you know, I didn't want it to be like a direct, like Stonewall reference, but I wanted, I wanted that back in there, that history of like, these are the people who are at the forefront. These are the people who are taking the hits you know, are the drag queens, the sex workers. Um, Emma Frost's brother is a survivor of conversion therapy, like survivors of trauma. Like these are the ones defending our rights. And sometimes you don't even see it. And that was the, like, you know, that was like the best I could do at the end of the day with the series was like, Hey, I like, I wanted to do more, but like, at least I did this. Like, and it was in a book that was about a pretty white guy. So like I tried my best and you know, but like I, that was in there and I, and I had forgotten halfway through the process of writing it. I was like, why am I doing this? <laughs> Emma Frost brother is a survivor of gay conversion therapy. Yeah. His, um, he's a, uh, his name is Christian and he was like her best friend. She's the white queen. She is this like fan favorite. Um, I know what she looks like. I, hot. <laughs> I've got some, I've got some, like, I am, boy, am I not like a reader of comics, but, um, for a minute I was. My my like only investment, and I'm I'm just being honest yeah. that I've paid Safe hardcore space. in my life was 
was I was really into She Hulk for a small. Oh yeah, of no. Time. And Mariko Tamaki writes wrote that book, and it's a great. Oh my god, it's writes, very good. Any and, iteration of She Hulk is recommended, but Mariko's is awesome, especially because of the way she handles trauma survival and like. Anyway, sorry. I just also no. I just also love that she's a lawyer. I just oh, like. Yeah. I just can't explain to you how much it I, it tickles my fancy that she, uh, is, you know, green and a superhero and um, but also like. You know, a biz like has to go to work in like a suit. Yeah, and, like, <laughs> yeah. And it's very unlike cool. the Hulk, it's not this is it's not related to um anger for her. She can she can be green without anger. So yeah. So sometimes she's just in court, fully as the She Hulk. I don't know. That does it for me. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And also, yeah, like on the nose. If anyone, yeah, I like need to remember that if anyone's ever gonna do a She Hulk like movie or TV TV show, like an. Like a procedural TV show with the She-Hulk. Oh, my God. It would be he, so good. Oh, my God. It really Like The Good would. Wife, but with Hulk. Like, <laughs> it would just be so great. Um, and that's the magic, like, right there. Because I think some people can't put their finger on what makes, like, you know, it's like, of course Joss Whedon couldn't break Wonder Woman or Batgirl because, like, he he doesn't know what that value is, you know, mm. right there, you know, like, cause it's like, he's like, Oh yeah. Like it has to be about like the jokes and putting her down. And it's like, no, it's about like that. She just rises. Anyway, oh, um, but <laughs> we are nailing it. Spicy. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't even, yeah. But anyway, so that was, yeah, that that's what was cool about kind of working with Marvel and understanding you have these pop culture constraints and you have to deliver for the masses. And I do think that's fun. I find that to be a fun exercise. Oh, hello, hello, hello. Um, Matt, Hi. I love you very much. I'm so sorry. Murph is just, he's <laughs> just, he's protecting us. Um, because look, you got a camera and you're coming in and, <laughs> and a really dope gorilla shirt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, sorry, we're, yeah, but where were we? I don't know. Well, here's where we are. We're at 50. We've been talking for 59 minutes, Excellent. which means that technically it's the part of the show where, I asked you. I ask you to shout out a queero, which okay. is like a person or a place, or it could be a thing that made you feel like you can be who you are today. Okay. Um, but I also, we've gotten all over the place. Is there some way that folks can? First of all, how can folks support you? Obviously, like they can buy your books. What's the most recent thing that folks could buy? Um, I I'm think, just asking this question because oh, yes, sometimes you just gotta straight up ask. Yeah. No. Um, well, first of all, if anyone's interested, thank you. Uh, I would say the third Iceman collection that we just talked about uh, will be in stores by the time this comes out. Cool. So that'll be great. And it's I actually kind of think of it as its own volume, so you don't have to have read the previous two. Um, and it has amazing characters for everyone. Uh, so please check that out. But um, yeah, I'm, it's I lucky I have this name that I hated when I was a kid because I was Xena Warrior Princess or I was Xena Warrior Princess. <sighs> um, and in and, and I, you know, we talked. Yeah, I heard you talk about that with Roxanne, yeah. where it's like when you're a kid, anyone just says any goddamn thing to you. But um, yeah, at my name, I'm a Twitter Instagram guy. Like you can find me on Facebook, but uh, Twitter yeah. Instagram is where the good tea is. Awesome. Um, but yeah, uh, and then Aquero, I have so many now. And um, I'll just do a few. Is that okay? Can I buy? Can I just take as much time as I want and say a few? You can say a few for different. Eras you can in my say life. a few. Yes. Okay. So, um, it. I had this weird. Like I remembered being uncomfortable. Um, being made uncomfortable by Pedro Zamora's existence on the real world. And then when I was in high school, I read Pedro and Me, the graphic novel by Judd Winnick. 
And it was one of two times I cried reading a comic book um, because it really, it honored his life. And I think also um, addressed and explored our problem with out gay people in the nineties, especially someone living with HIV at the time. Um, That's a and, really beautiful book. Yeah. And he was also like, and then when I was in college, you know, we analyzed just his mere existence on the show as culture jamming and how he, and again, it goes back to like, he knew, he knew he was a charming, handsome fellow and he knew that he could make people hate less in this world if he could just win your heart over. And that, and that, and again, so that's why he's a queero to me was like, he took that on whether, and, and I think we can say it was intentional. He knew what he was doing. And I think he did it really well. Um, so he was one of my first queeros. Sylvester was a queero. I remembered reading a book about him in college. And in that, I cry a lot from books. But that was like, again, I'm just like bawling in public outside of a cafe, not even realizing what like, you know, the voice behind a disco song had done for people. Um, of late, sort of living queeros. Um, I, I get to call him a friend. Like, it's not even a like a Hollywood you know, douche thing, like, but Stephen Canals and Pose, and he is really working hard to leverage his platform for other people. And I think that's kind of where I've been at. Like, if you're in any position of privilege, rather than feeling guilt about your privilege, revel in it and then send the elevator back down. Like, but no one, like no one in Chechnya is like looking at me being like, I want you to feel guilt. Like they will probably be like, you should be having a blast, but also like help us. But like, and that's kind of where I'm at where I'm like, okay, I will like give money to these organizations, rainbow railroad, rainbow railroad, they will help them. And then I will also like live my goddamn life because I have the privilege. But, um, I think Steven does a lot, like does a lot and thinks really hard and aggressively for how to help others. Um, our lady J similarly, you know, mm -hmm. all of them in that crew on pose mm -hmm. are really doing that goddamn work. Um, and yeah. yeah, it also makes sense to me that, that pose would work for you. Like just the art of pose as a TV show, because yeah. it kind of, I mean, it, it kind of plays like a comic, like it, like just, there's so much, it's so stylized. It's so loud. Yeah. yeah. It's so loud and so visually, uh, aggressive in a great way. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, and that's the pop culture I lean to. And then, yeah. um, my last queero, because I was uh, thinking about, I like I had texted her earlier, and I was like, I'm gonna try and name drop you. Like I'm gonna try and not forget. Um, I'm working with this editor on a new book uh, coming out in July called Ghosted in L.A. It's a comic book. I'm so excited, um, and that wasn't meant to be an announcement. I'm more meant. I want to talk about this lady, Shannon Waters, my editor, because the only reason I'm doing this book was I've wanted to work with her. She created the Lumberjanes comics, which are now a book. Which oh are now, my god, I totally know the Lumberjanes. Yeah, yeah you. Have she read. needs to be here because. Yes. She was also, I met her through um, Adventure Time. She was editing those comics and she worked really hard to try and bolster all of the themes, the queer themes in Adventure Time while never alienating a fan group. But she, you know, there's a lot of subtext in Adventure Time and she worked really hard to nourish and embrace that fandom. And then I think with Lumberjanes, like she created this book and, you know, told Boom Studios, uh, our publisher, her bosses, um, like, let me do this. Like, let me do this book. It's going to be this thing. Uh, the conflicts are going to not really be 
what the Western definition of conflict is going to be. And there's really just not going to be any dudes. And it's okay. Like, just let, uh-huh. you know, and and Boom Studios was like, go gaily forward. Uh, <laughs> yay! So Shannon Waters is amazing. My assistant editor, Mike Macchio, is also super great. And, and they're just great. And I love that, like, I have them on... I just, yeah, I really wanted to work with them because they make books you can just be so proud of and, and are so pretty and are so good. And, um, and she's really, and and they're again, in in the sense of who they're hiring and, and what kind of stories they're asking people to tell gay, straight or bi, lesbian, transgender, all of it, not, you know, ace, et cetera. They're, you know, they are asking you to bring your perspective in again, in the service of good storytelling. Um, and so Shannon, you are a queero. I sent in my text message, like, I am uh, wow. like I am f- overcome with emotion that I a get to collaborate with her, but then b that she I don't know how hard she went to bat, but it, she went to bat and said like let's give this guy the chance to really be himself and not and you know Mike, my assistant editor, always answers most of my creative questions with it's copyright Cena Grace like. <laughs> You're making that decision, not us. And wow, so, that's awesome. So yeah, um, these are my queeros. That should be all. Could it be? Could that be at all work? <laughs> uh, ever? I it's, wish. It's copyright cameras, you know. Like, do what you must. Uh, I wish. Gosh, because that's the thing. Is it's you know that. they they're saying that now, but there will be moments yeah, where I'm sure where they're going to be like it's copyright you, but yeah. the logo treatment's kind of what we've already picked. Or, <laughs> but no, I'm easy going with that stuff. So yeah, they're my queeros. That's very. You're cool. my queero. This is. I'm just very so happy right now that I don't know. I'm in this space and I'm just. I'm so happy that you were able to be here, <laughs> and only because. I will send you back into your day um, with, because you mentioned Adventure Time, I know that the comic is a different thing, but um, this is just something I'll say between the two of us that might tickle your fancy. I I did a voice on that show, <gasps> and it's her name's Carol the Cloud Person. Then later she comes back and she's made of ice because <sighs> of how different, you know what I mean? Yeah. States of water. Subtext. And matter. Um, but she... Uh, I like went in and did the voice and I hadn't seen the character design yet. And when I saw it in, a, in the actual, I used to have this haircut that was a side mullet is what I called it. Like went off to the side and it just so happened that the character design that like existed they didn't know. prior to me is, uh, it's a cloud person with a one-sided haircut. Like the odds oh that then the voice actor would have that same haircut. It was extremely fun to talk about on social media and oh be like, I'm a cloud. And then people being like, uh, you're not a cloud. You are you as a cloud. So anyway, yes. just oh. sometimes in life we get these tiny moments of like, oh, what a joy and a pleasure. She let's has a funny Let's make a pin of that. Gay <laughs> let's haircut, collaborate you know? on that. Yes. I, I really, really made me so happy. Aww. Um, this was a pleasure. Same. I cannot wait to go to the Eagle with you. Oh that my God, will yeah. definitely happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I've only gone <laughs> once. Let's do it again. Okay. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>